Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to the Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux, and with me, as always, he's the eighth most interesting thing to do in L.A. If you're missing San Diego Comic-Con, it's Griffin Davis. There's, is that a list? Yeah, it's an L.A. Weekly. That's an L.A. Weekly list? Reference you're making? Um, no, it's an, it's, there, there are a million articles like that. Come on, you can't even... It's a Comic-Con reference. What are the... You're just... Now you're just making... You're drawing... You're moving the goalposts. This is impossible. <laughs> this is crazy. Um, uh, uh, one thing about about Comic-Con I do want to mention is I saw an incredible image at Comic-Con. One of the only ones I, I saw was uh, Reaper from Overwatch. Someone who was dressed up as him got his cloak stuck in an escalator and he was like <laughs> getting like dragged back up here like, oh no. And then like a mercy came in and saved him and like unhooked him from the escalator. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. I bet you fucking love yeah, that shit. It was, it was a great nerdy moment. <laughs> I really liked the Aquaman trailer. Okay. Uh, yeah. People, cool. people seem to shit on it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Whatever. I just like, I like fighting in water. And isn't it, uh, who's the director again? Is it, uh, uh, James Wan is his name, I think. Yeah. I think it's James Wan, who is a guy he's I like, like a the lot. the Fast and the Furious director, right? He is. Our, so that's enough for me. The other one. I'm, yeah, I'm in. totally. It's going to be great. <laughs> or it's going to be bad. Who cares? I have movie pass. Um, but Godzilla was the best trailer at Comic-Con by far. Oh, I got God. super yeah. hyped for that. I forgot how much of a Godzilla fan I am. Why are there no God- Godzilla video games? Because what do you do in a Godzilla game? Like, do you play as Godzilla and destroy everything? Because that seems too easy. Or do you fight Godzilla? And that doesn't seem fun because Godzilla fucking bangs, You, you play as Godzilla fighting other other monsters and, and civilians. Oh, yeah. You got to fight those. And, your, and your tanks Mothra's. and like army. You know, your Mothra's, your Rodan's, your monster X's. God, I, I just, you know, sometimes I have moments like when we're talking like this, I realize I invite people into my living room to sit here. It's hot right now, Lux. It's like 90 degrees in my house. This AC is not working very well. And I'm just talking about Mothra. Uh, and, and this poor I, guest is just sitting too. here just like, what, has she, what she's just like, what have I done? What have I committed to? She has a wall. She has a water. <laughs> she, you're right. Yeah. She has a water, which is more than I give most guests. Um, <laughs> yeah, usually they just get scathing glances and judging looks. One thing I need to, one more nerd garbage thing I need to bring up before we invite on our awesome guest this week is you told me to play Octopath Traveler and I did and it's awful. It's a bad game, Lux. Fuck you. You <laughs> fucking rules, dude. It's so bad. It's so boring. Um, oh the my text God. moves you so slow. No, you're so wrong. It's got such like nice little cute stories. The voice acting is bad. The voice acting, well, I don't listen to the voice, I just read it, dude. Why do I listen to the voice acting? You can read it so much faster. I just, uh, it was just like so slow and so boring. I was just like, Lux, what have you done? You just got to get it rocking and rolling, dude. Once you get it rocking and rolling, ooh uh, Well, we'll get more probably into that as the weeks go on, as you continue to play it. Um, but uh, I would like I'll to- say it's good, what? and he'll tell me I'm done. I'll, I'll just say it's good, and then he'll be like, you're dumb, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what we'll do, and we'll do that for a couple weeks, and it'll be great. Everyone will love it. Now, why don't you introduce our wonderful guest? Yeah, uh, we have a great guest this week. Uh, we have funny lady sketch comedian and uh, would you call yourself a political activist organizer organizer uh kelsey goldberg to the podcast welcome kelsey hi thank you for having me Uh, thank you for for enduring uh just everything that's gonna happen right now in terms of the heat and the experience it's It's just such a natural fit so i'm really excited for it (laughs) i'm gonna contribute so much because of like the mothra references because i totally know what that is yes (laughs) yeah i'm gonna judge that I'm guessing that's sarcasm. Um, uh, yeah. I just like those t- 
tiny singing girls on that island. Um, I don't even Mothra understand reference. that reference. <laughs> In the you first lost Mothra me. movie, there are these oh, okay. tiny girls who sing about her. Oh, yeah. But musicals are a thing I can talk to. Like, okay. Talk about, though, so now I'm kind of on board. <laughs> Mamma Mia 2? Yeah. I haven't seen it yet because no one will go with me. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't seen it either yet, um, but I'm excited. I hear good things. I'm very excited. I I've thought, been... Griffin, you were going to say, I'm going to go with you, but instead you were just like, I've heard of that movie also. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I was like, ah, I don't want to commit to Mamma Mia 2 right now. Uh, well, it's cool having, it's cool that you're on the podcast because now we have um, an equal number of organizers and doofuses and then one person who's both which is me <laughs> um, wait so who do you well, who do you organize? do i fall in any either category what which category am i i'm calling i'm calling you a doofus okay, good. And I, I was like i was like i'm that. not an organizer i'm a doofus I think, damn just, it. I think we just proved that thoroughly with this exchange um, yeah so who do you who do you organize with? Um, what's your organize when you organize who's it for a large member of the democratic socialist america los angeles local steering committee and i'm the head of our agitation and propaganda committee or the chair. Hell yeah. I've got a coordinator who's great. Hell yeah. yeah. I do the same thing, but in Austin, I work with Agiprop and housing. Oh, heck yeah. So what does that um, mean uh, to me, just a, a lowly uh, man that works with his hands every day? What does that mean to me? It means we're fighting for your rights. Yeah. Fighting for your rights. Since yeah. you are our guest. <laughs> yeah. It, so like the committee, like the Agiprop committee is basically like the media. So okay. Like we make the videos that you go, oh, that's cool. Or like, sure. oh, that is a good concept. Okay. And then... The steering committee thing, that just means I'm a bureaucrat and make sure that like all of the chapters, resources, like money and uh, turnout and membership time and all that stuff is like allocated in a fair way to our membership because DSALA has like roughly 20 committees. Which is a lot. Huh. Yeah, it's a little bit much to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we don't need to get into my issues with the organizational structure right now. <laughs> but I met you doing comedy, actually. Yes, which, was, uh, and does does that like uh, what what came first for you? Was was the politics or the comedy? Like both, kind of. Like growing up, I wanted to be an actor, mm-hmm. but it was like movies like Mississippi Burning that like made me want to be an actor. Like I just I didn't. Like coming up in the age of Clinton, like politicians were not like a thing I aspired to be, but mm-hmm. people who were like politically minded through their art was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that went from like wanting to be like part of a Shakespeare rep company to comedian uh, and like grew up like loving like George Carlin and the comedians who were like always more political, Daily Show, all that stuff. Uh, and then now I just do both because the world sucks and we need to change it. And I don't have that much faith in my comedy being, being that groundbreaking that soon. Like maybe I should canvas for rent control while I do comedy about rent control. <laughs> um, yeah. Like one thing I've always noticed about you is, uh, is that like you are, are pretty fearless online. Uh, you don't Ang- give angry. a fuck. Like <laughs> no. you don't go fuck. You're respectful, but you also like, don't give a fuck. And I really like respect that. Uh, um, but I guess like my first question for you about that stuff is like, how, like, how do you keep doing it without getting exhausted? I am exhausted all of the time, <laughs> um, yeah. but I'm an exhausting yeah, person and being inside my own head is exhausting. Uh-huh. So I think regardless of what I do, exhausted is uh-huh. what I was going to be. Um, it It's so overwhelming and the small victories are so galvanizing uh-huh. that like, I think like, especially post the Trump election, I was doing psychologically a lot better than most of my friends because I was seeing these small victories. Like, well, we just had a huge membership surge or we just had this like very tiny victory by getting this one city council member to agree to this. And it like 
gives you an optimism, even though it's like, oh, this is the rest oh. of my life. I'm never going to be done because right. we're not going to win socialism in my time. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, <laughs> like you're like it's like a, you are going into battle like a knowing like you're not going to see the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, let's make the path that like my children and like hopefully they'll mm. be like. I do expect to see Medicare for all in my lifetime. I would love to see free education before I have to send my children to college, which I don't have yet, but I would love to have someday. And I'd like them to get a free education. Oh, the second, the second college is free, I'm, I'm popping them out. Yeah. Well, also when giving birth to them is free. <laughs> what I really want is people to, in blue states, to be as skeptical of their own representatives as we are of Republicans. Because like... Adam Schiff, Dianne Feinstein, like they voted to create ICE. So like, I'm not saying, well, actually I would like to see them no longer in office, but there is a house up there, which is like, can we at least get them to say they want to abolish ICE? Can we at least get them to admit that that was wrong? And I think a lot of people in blue states feel very comfortable because they're on the right team and they don't actually look to see who the players are. And so for me, I'm actually like a little more intentionally like aggressive and aggro and like combative because I'm trying to agitate people to try and engage in an argument with me so that they'll they'll learn something because I want them to be thinking yeah, that makes critically. Sense. And then also, like, I just want people to know about local politics. Like, why don't we have rent control in L.A.? Because it's currently illegal. But in November, there's going to be a measure on the ballot, Prop 10, to repeal the law that makes it illegal. That should be a no-brainer. Even super politically-minded friends of mine don't know that because they focused pretty solely on nationally. So that's kind of my thing. Be angry at your representatives. Pay attention locally. <laughs> do you find this is something? This is I think this is a pretty real thing for for political comedian folks. Like, do you find it kind of hard to not either lose some of the like political anger that is so valuable in the comedy, or vice versa? Like, I sometimes feel like my shit gets too angry to be funny, or it gets too funny to be angry. Does that you ever find that problem? Yeah, or like find finding that balance difficult. It can be. I think. The thing that I'm having a harder time with in L.A. is there's this assumption that, like, if you make the right show, you could get hired, which is great. We should all get hired. But I'm, like, very unimpressed with most of the political comedy that's happening on TV because I don't think they punch up accurately. Like, they, like, punch up personality stuff, but they don't punch at any of the systems. And it makes sense. All of their sponsors benefit from this system. Sure. Like, you don't, like, if you get all this ad dollars from, like, Amazon, you can't really do like a good job truly making fun of Jeff Bezos. So I'm like the kind of stuff I want to do, like would punch at systems and be really like not vicious, but like just really biting political commentary. And I haven't found like a space yet, but I'm working on a pack pitch. Maybe it's like in the early spaces, but like I want to find a space where like, I don't want to be comfort food for the liberal soul. I want to like galvanize liberals to think more critically about a better world being possible. So I also think like a lot of, California liberals are way more radical than they realize. They just haven't been asked to like extend yeah, their moral yeah, logic. Totally. Like if this Definitely. is true, then what else is true? But they've uh-huh. never been asked the like, what else is true? And once you do, like it's really easy to see the bricks fall. Well, I'd be down to watch that because it's not brave in an LA theater to like take down Trump. It is brave to take on like Democrats in an yeah. LA theater. Like yeah. that's way more brave. We'll see that's, how this, if the Bedlam lets us do this Feinstein sketch, we'll see how it, I mean, yeah, my like audition for the pack was a monologue where I told Hillary Clinton to lick my clit. So, <laughs> see, like that that's, got very that's the content exactly. craves, that's, honestly. That's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not some kind of Trump supporter. I, you know, I'm... 
I'm, I'm on Kelsey's side. Whatever yeah. side she's going to eloquently explain. <laughs> whatever side Kelsey tells, yeah. Kelsey tells me to do, that's the side I'm on. That's, that's how I prefer my friends. Uh, let's, let's say we have the second most important question, uh, historical uh, constructions of politics and violence. And to the most important question, how did you, like, what's your relationship to games? Okay. <laughs> so complicated. So oh, yeah. You have a good story about this. Yeah. Okay. So I like playing games, mostly because I don't like being excluded. So, like, in college, I played a lot of, like... Garage band. Hell yeah. And yeah. the rock band. Yeah. And that was kind of it. Sometimes some Mario Party. Rock band was a great communal game. It really did get everyone involved with all different, you know, uh, pe- people didn't play no, games. Rock band's an all time yeah. party yeah. game, to be honest. Second, maybe only to the yeah. other mm-hmm. game you just mentioned, Mario Party, the best party game of all. Which is super fun. I had an N64 growing up. I had sure. three games, and I don't think I replaced them when I lost them. Yeah. Um, I was like a very hyper kid, like sitting. Like, I don't know. I like, I'm sad that I don't play games more because now they're like doing really cool stuff with narrative. Mm -hmm. But as a kid, books were always way more interesting. And now I'm like, wait, that video game is based on a book series. Like, but now I'm not good. So my ex, who is a wonderful, wonderful person. And we just broke up because we like, like kind of ran our course. He's a wonderful person. But when we were sort of starting to not work out as much, we were like strapped for time with each other. So I was like, well, maybe we met at a barcade. Because I was playing Mortal Kombat. I like button mashing and screaming. Uh, Maybe I will. Let's find a game that we can play together. And then it'll be this thing we did. So we decided uh, League of Legends. And it was super fun at first. And I had a friend working at Riot. So I got us a tour of the like the Riot. Hold on. So this was your idea. This was my idea to try and bring us together. What what if it was like, we need to like, like, what if your girlfriend was like, we need to have a serious talk. Like we need to start playing League of Legends, or I'm you done. You can't keep you cannot <laughs> keep jungling. Like really... I'm trying to stay in the top lane. You're gonna have to chill. <laughs> Those are words I learned so, yeah. so you, from two episodes. So ago. you started playing this game, League of Legends, and I got us a tour of the Riot like campus. You're, you're, this is our life now. We're taking a hard left turn. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We're so, yeah I was like, we'll teams. find this thing great. together, and I really, really liked it at first, and then I stopped getting better. For like weeks, I just would never get better, and oh, I smashed okay. two my like mouse. Is it mice or mouses? If it's a computer, you, it's whatever. You, it's whatever plural feeling you have. That like evil little devil thing <laughs> I put in my hand that kept on messing me up. <laughs> I killed two of them. You smashed them. I oh. smashed them. You're so you're a rage. You're a rage quitter. I don't like call. not being good at things. Oh, I, like, I fundamentally I completely agree. Oh, yeah. man, I wish like, I had somewhere the in life to be I learned good enough stuff to not liking being bad at it. That's crazy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, even, I just prefer avoid. The things I'm it's not, not even at. like being good at so many things. It's just being like a very anxious person and somewhere getting it in my head that I only have value if I'm like good at stuff. Oh, capitalism. <laughs> and then surrounding myself only exclusively with the stuff I'm good at and pretending the rest of the world doesn't exist. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I'm a happy, healthy person. Uh, <laughs> and so then we try. Yeah. Yeah. It's rare with comedians, right? Because like we're all so just like. Oh yeah, no, don't. We're also very socially well adjusted. It's like uh, it's so funny. It's like uh, when you're outside the theater sometimes, and like people won't say hi to you, but then like on Facebook, it'll be like, "I loved, I loved you." Yeah, (laughs) I still get so anxious outside the theater, like wanting to say hi to people, and then like there'll be people that everyone's nice, like no one's mean. But then sometimes I'll like be so awkward, like good show, and they'll like walk right past me. I'm like, oh, dude, man. But I'm like, I'm sure it's just because I waited too long. They thought yeah. I was talking to someone past mm-hmm. them, but now I'm like, that person hates and me. And they're in the back of their mind going, oh, God, did I just ignore someone? I just got to keep yeah. moving. I just yeah. got to keep moving. Yeah. Like, uh, no, for yeah. sure. 
I'm I mean, the king honestly, of, of you know those people who are selling pharmaceuticals to hospitals. If one of them just posted up outside like a theater with like a box of Xanax, they'd probably be a billionaire in like two or three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So yeah, you so wait so wait how did this relationship end? Oh, like with the video games or no, with the yeah, guy? well, with just with like the video you, games. so you like you, so, you you hit you hit a ceiling. You didn't feel like you were getting good. You were rage quitting. And yeah, then what so we happened? stopped playing that because uh, the first mouse wasn't mine; it was his. Then he made me start buying my own, um, <laughs> and then we tried playing "Don't Die Alone." Oh, um, that sounds it's really cool. It's like two D graphics. Uh, but I kept on dying early, so he kept on dying alone. And looking back, that seems like a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, then I was this like, is like a breakup kit. Like yeah. start with League of Legends, then ratchet it up do to this. Don't Die Alone. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, like none of this is fun for me. Okay. Can we try and do stuff I enjoy? Yeah. And then that's when I was like, oh, actually, maybe our like are like the things we need to be happy. Like he was very much an introvert. I was very much an ex- extrovert. And I was like, oh, actually, maybe we've reached a point of like incompatibility huh but like you reached that amicably yes through video games that's pretty cool that's why we do this podcast to help people understand how to end their relationships anyway griffin (laughs) to heal to heal i think that you might have some stuff to say about the game we brought on today yeah because uh uh you've brought on uh a first for the game boys we're very excited about this episode it's special because we're doing a whole different type of game uh, in fact, uh, Kelsey has brought on uh, a board game. Also, yes. So Another th- reason episode special is because this is actually episode 20. Oh, did I <laughs> fuck up? Episode, we were talking all about how it was episode 20. It's not. This is episode 20. It's on the iTunes. There's 20 episodes. Are you sure? Because the, the G, in the G drive, it's 19 until now. I checked on. Well, because there's an episode. I don't know. On iTunes, it says we're there's never 20. We're going to know what episode we're on. Um, Anyways, to your thing. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Okay. All right. Uh, we should hear a little bit of history, though, um, about this game. Yeah. I mean, I would argue it's the best board game. <laughs> it's Our World, Girls, an ad slogan for a board game that would hold a special place in the culture of the early 90s. But to truly understand how this girl world came to be, we need to turn the world back to early 1861, when the Civil War began in America. During these tumultuous times, a young Milton Bradley began selling weaponry and bullets to soldiers stationed in Springfield, Massachusetts. However, upon seeing bored soldiers stationed in Springfield, Bradley began producing small games the soldiers could play during their downtime. These games included chess, checkers, backgammon, dominoes, and the checkered game of life. This was the birth of the American board game. Milton Bradley would continue to be successful for over a century, but our story takes us to the 1970s, where a man by the name of Michael Gray was working in data processing and advertising at the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Every Christmas, Gray was tasked with writing reviews for the new board games coming out that holiday season, but he wouldn't take the leap to follow his true passion until 1978, when he was asked to come up with board game designs for an interview at Milton Bradley. Over the next three years, Gray would design over 36 board games for Milton Bradley, creating many hits, but one of his most famous, or infamous, was a game designed for young girls to guess from a series of clues which boy had a crush on them. Will a hottie like Dave pick the Game Boys, or will they get stuck with a geek like Horace? Find out this week with Dream Phone. Boring. I don't know if those are names of guys in the game. I just wrote down two guys. I don't think they are. (laughs) So, uh, Dream Phone, why'd you pick this board game? It was my favorite game as a kid. Uh, The, like, and when I used to think about it, I was like, man, it's such a sexist game. But then when I was like, because I was like looking for the games and I was like, well, I could do Dream Phone. I could do Rockets First Day at School. I could do Girl Talk. I could do Ball Madness. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh my God, everything's so gendered. But when I was thinking about it, I was like, 
dream phone, I would argue is actually about radical self-love. That's a, that's a great theme and I can't wait to explore that. Yeah. Why don't you break down a little bit about the rules of this game and kind of what it, what it looks like. Cool. So it's a giant board game and it has four different locations, like the beach, the, uh, Sports area. <laughs> the, uh, the, the sports happen. Like a, a court? Yeah, a court, like a, a basketball, basketball court. court. <laughs> um, like a coffee shop and like a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like guy pictures of guys' faces on the board. Mm-hmm. And there's a giant pink, like Zach Morris style <laughs> cell phone. I'm using quotations. It's like a big hand phone. It's like a yes. giant brick, basically. Yes. A pink, pink brick. And it's essentially like clue. Mm-hmm. But you'll like call numbers and get clues about who likes you. And then sometimes there's like different cards, like you can make someone skip a turn or it could be speakerphone. So everyone gets the same clue and you have to like deduce and figure out who likes you. Okay. So, uh, so basically like, how does the game know who likes you? This is a question that Lux was asking I've me before the podcast. I've done more research on this game than for any game we've done on this show because I cannot <laughs> fucking figure this out. Does the dream, basically what the Game Boys are asking is, does the dream phone have a soul? Is, is it, it alive? I th- is it alive? Yeah. So I think the important thing to keep in mind is it's like each player doesn't have a different guy who likes them. One guy likes whoever figures it out uh, one guy oh so one guy is just down to meet up yeah and, and whoever figures and whoever out who figures he is first. Gets it's like one guy's yeah. down to clown with whoever can solve his mystery his weird yeah. puzzle oh, okay. okay yeah but they but it's always framed like you each have so like all the language because this is where my radical self-love thing comes in <laughs> where it's like the assumption is someone likes you Sure. Like it's not girls fighting over a guy. Like someone likes you to try to figure out which of all the possibilities. Right, but mechanically, because <laughs> obviously you have right. Words. But mechanically, the game can only pick one. So there is only one guy who likes all of you. But in theory, within the narrative, it's every someone likes everyone. Yes. Yeah. So in the narrative, someone likes everyone. In reality, oh god, this is also a metaphor for life. Uh, only one girl can have him, and you're all competing against each other. Let's kill my hot take. It was wrong. <laughs> yeah, that it's like that it's like yeah, it is true that there's like yeah, there's like yeah, one like there there's some guy out there for you, but there can be only one, and then the yeah. other two are spinsters. Yeah. You have to cut also, their heads off to get their powers, then you can live forever. Yeah, there's all rules. these guys <laughs> There's all these guys who like you, but none of them are man enough to just be direct. You literally have to play a game. Are there any guys that you remember that like you wanted to avoid that were like, I hope this guy doesn't like me? Yeah, there was like some like obvious nerdy ones. Okay, oh, yeah, some nerdy guys. Uh, looking back on it, the like the <laughs> ironic and or disturbing thing was like if you look at all the male models they got, they probably range in age from like 13 to 21. And as like a 10 year old, sure, the 13 sure. year old, like the ones that were like an appropriate age for me to have a crush on. No, those were the nerds. Yeah. You wanted the dude. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's got a car. And a- yeah. This well, I think kid's they were the same Game Boy. I don't want that one. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Derek. Yeah, I just want a guy who doesn't play video games. That'll happen when I grow up. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, but circle, so huh? was this a game that you uh, played a lot? Oh, yeah. Like every sleepover. Every sleepover. Over. Every sleepover. Okay. Especially because Mall Madness, you could like lose the pieces really easily. Mm-hmm. And it was never as much fun as going to the real mall. And this was like a very gendered game, right? It was yeah. kind of forbidden for boys to play. I think my whole life I've assumed everything that was stereotypically female boys did in secret. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely with Barbies. Yeah. yeah. So I assume guys played that. Also, it was like harder than Clue, like figuring out who liked you because of the clues were so subtle. Like it is a really good detective game. So I assumed guys played it and just lied. Yeah. But I, I don't did, know I if that's actually true. I did play the shit out of some Wall Madness though as a kid. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to an interview with the guy because because he kind of it's a this like kind of this like man trying to make games for young girls and like thinking like what their perspective is in each situation. And he's like, uh, you yeah, know, after I thought about it, like Mall Madness doesn't make that much sense. I actually didn't know how women shocked. <laughs> <laughs> like, because basically in Mall Madness, apparently you just like you go into the mall, you go to one store, you get the thing, and then you go back to your car. Yeah, uh, and that's not how people shop. No, <laughs> shops if you're on a motherfucking no. mission. That's how I shop. I got my Nintendo Switch. That's how you shop yeah. to get batteries. Like, yeah. it's like you have which arm can take like three shoulder bags and two in the hand, and like yeah, no, it, it preps you for grocery shopping later in life when you're like, I'm only gonna make one trip. Damn it. True. I mean, I, I like all this, but this seems like a much more interesting game. What I'm so in the inverse uh, of Griffin, is there a particular a particular guy that you remember being like, hell yeah, I got Jared or whatever? There was one guy who had the Sean from Boy Meets World haircut. Oh, Sean, Sean was like, I could tell even as a young boy that Sean was like a Tall, badass. Oh, drink yeah. the water, that motherfucker. He was cool. Like yeah. he, was, he had wavy hair and like he was, you know, unconventional and lived in a trailer park. Yeah, I feel like I wasn't yeah. balding there at was nine, two, but I feel like I might have been. And like, I was definitely jealous <laughs> of the cat's hair for sure. Yeah. So there's like one older guy who had like dimples and the Sean haircut. And then one guy who had a flat top. And those were the two that were like the cutest. I, sure, sure, sure. I remember in my youth being so upset that I couldn't really get like a real high top fade flat top haircut that wouldn't work with my very curly hair. Um, it was a tragedy. I went to the, I remember yeah. the barber and I'm just being like, no, we cannot do that. Like physically impossible. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'll never be cool. Um, which I was I wish they had tried. 100% correct about. So that was good of the barber to let me know. <laughs> I wish they had tried. Cause I want to see what that would have looked like. <laughs> Terrible. Probably like I just imagining like, um, droopy, sad mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had one of those at one point too, so, you know, you know, um, maybe it's for the best that I'm balding now, to be honest, given my taste in haircuts. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have, it's not like you would have made a, a, a positive no, choice. Almost certainly not. Anyway, let's get back to this game now. We're done talking about me and my, uh, sort of deficiencies. Um, we're talking about, we're talking about nineties hairstyles. Um, but, uh, yeah. So like, uh, this game, honestly, I would, have preferred this over clue. Cause there's like, there's this like big kind of mechanical element in the middle. Like that's cool yeah. to me. Like I liked rat trap. I like those games where there's, oh, you get really trap. mess with the board mousetrap, whatever. You, can't trap you know what I those mean? Those are smart game games with big hunks of plastic that you got to mess around with operation. Oh, you know, that's the stuff. And also like, I don't know if this is true for kids nowadays, but at the time to like, ha- even though it wasn't a real phone, to have like a phone technology that you were able to like, Sure. Play with and talk on without totally. your parents yelling at you or listening. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm like a teenager because I have a big, big phone. Well, like, yeah, right. Like, now they actually all have just, phones. Like, yeah. Even having a board game that has like any like electronic component in the 90s was just like, like mind blowing shit. Like, we're just like, wait, I thought batteries only went in the remote and my neighbor's yeah. Game Boy. Like, it was crazy. It would be crazy to have, like, I feel like that would have been like a mind blowing experience too. Just that like, you just have an electronic thing lying around. Cause they were so like specific and kind of rare or not rare, but like 
Not all the time. Did you ever have this on the holidays, like Christmas or Hanukkah? If you picked the small prize present first and you opened it up and it was a pack of batteries and then your imagination was like, what did I get that needs batteries? Like, I'm so excited. Somewhere somewhere in all these presents is something that needs batteries. <laughs> hmm. When I think about my Hanukkahs. Yeah, no, I do remember um, that. Only, yeah, for Hanukkahs, see, my family was very Christmas big on, my family was very big on eight nights. So you'd get the batteries night one or two. And then. Oh, no. And then you have to wait. And at the oh, end, when you're 12 wow. and you're me. You get the Game Boy Advance <laughs> or whatever, and you're, oh, because you just don't know. It could be anything. And if my parents, it could literally be anything because they are a pair that'd be, of weirdos. That'd be way gnarlier if you gave someone a Game Boy with no batteries and then were just like, look at it. Just yeah. stare at it. You'll get the batteries eight days from now. See if you can well, do a Hanukkah miracle getting... and make it run by itself. Like, figure it out. You could be a Maccabee if you want. Yeah. yeah. I was lucky because <laughs> I was like mixed. So we did Christmas more so and then Hanukkah was usually like hey like remember when he told you that if you broke your binder you wouldn't get a new one happy Hanukkah you get a new binder sure 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's the um, advantage of the eight days for for Jewish parents it's, okay I can't I won't generalize but for my Jewish parents the benefit of the eight days is that seven of the eight can just be like remember when you broke your bicycle wheel we got you new tire or like here's a book and then one of them yeah. was just like bunga the nice thing and the rest of it was just sort of like fixing shit that i probably needed replaced anyway yeah right eight days is a little much to serenade anyone for oh, anything yeah, for sure right for sure i mean look well <laughs> it was I mean, a miracle <laughs> hey look the oil burned for eight i didn't make the choice the oil burned for eight days and they fought off the assyrians like that was god's choice not mine like i didn't yeah. design the outcome although as my friend's mom used to say you get <laughs> making latkes for eight days is your gift because those <laughs> things aren't like have you ever tried to make latkes from scratch it's a lot of potato oh, shredding god yeah but it's so good i live and eat it's I live, so eat, good sleep, but it's so much better when someone else cooks them all right anyways i could talk about latkes <laughs> for literally if you're just tuning day. in we're on the jewish food podcast <laughs> yeah. you take a little bit of sour cream take a little um, bit of applesauce it's great Everyone yeah. it's a great time for everyone. Better, though. Um, little manischewitz <laughs> if you're you know better, if you're though. of age um, or your parents are weird or irresponsible um or just normal actually because it's like basically grape yeah. juice with like someone poured like a third say, of a beer in a really bottle. Or you just really like you don't like wine so you drink that yeah, like it's, it's, you hate yourself and don't value your taste buds yeah. at all. <laughs> actually I do have a soft spot for me but it's like clearly just like the conditioning of youth. Like it's really just growing up being like, this is something I drink every holiday. And I'm like, I'll do a bottle of Manischewitz. And so like, I'm not drunk. I'm just with a stomach ache. I got really lucky. So we were like, I mixed, but then in Toronto, my friend Jenny, who I used to celebrate all the Jewish holidays with her, her mom converted, but was raised Catholic. And her mom was like, no, we're keep like, we keep, I converted. We keep perfectly kosher. We drink regular wine though. And so you did it. And I was like, that's the best compromise. Yeah, that fucking yeah. rules. Um, yeah, that she seems was like, like, yeah. she's like that's where I draw the line. That seems like the perfect uh, compromise merging so, so both worlds. Right? I have to get back to the game. Um, so she says like plays every sleepover. Did you ever play this game like with your parents or with your siblings? Or just like strictly like friends sleepover dream phone? I mean, I have a sister who's three years younger and is my lifelong best friend. Okay, cool. So, so with her, yeah, but like not with my parents because that was also like part of the fun of that was like pretending you were a teenager mm -hmm. and having your parents in the room would totally kill that. Mm -hmm. And then I was also like a hyper independent child, uh, which is the really nice way of saying like little brat. Uh, <laughs> so at about three years old, like we'd be like walking into a movie theater or walking into a restaurant and look at my parents and be like, pretend you don't know me. And then I like <laughs> want the waiter to take me to the table by myself. <laughs> so, oh my God. Uh, That's so funny. Yeah, my dad would play pretty, pretty princess with my sister and I though. <laughs> it's like you're ashamed of your family at three. Like, yeah. Oh, these schmucks. Yeah, I mean, it's like well, everyone, there's all these like funny Everyone gets there, but that's <laughs> really early to get to shame about your family. <laughs> at the time I was a teenager, I was like, oh, you mean if I go to the movies with you, you pay for the movie? Cool. My dad's like, aren't 
you embarrassed? You might be seen with me. And I was like, nah, I got over that when I was like 11, dad. Oh I think that's an old school you phase. Just early. That's so smart. I hope my kids hate me when they're like three and then they can be cool yeah. when they're like 12. Well, and you know what's, you know what's great about having a three-year-old who like doesn't want you to follow them? When I had to go to the bathroom, it was don't go with me. Because <laughs> my parents, like once I was potty trained, they're like, eh, she's good. Whoa. And then there's all these funny stories of me like walking out of the bathroom with like my clothes on incorrectly because I was still a fucking toddler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, actually, you have a question about this game or do you want me to keep going on these weird, on these weird tangents? No, no, no. I, I mean, I, you know, like, is this game your favorite board game? Like, nostalgic wise? Nostalgia wise, yes. it's like the one that helps that, plays. Or like Pretty Pretty Princess. Was really fun. I was like a lit, like that was like way younger, little, little kid, just because I learned the idea of a coup d'etat really young, which was no matter who won, I was the tallest of my friend group and my sister, which meant I could just take the fucking crown off their head. <laughs> so I was always the pretty, pretty princess. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> that was a fun lesson. My sister finally was like, I hate this game. And I was like, bye, because you keep on losing. She's like, but I don't though. Well, it's a little more king of the hills. Yeah, I was like, the electoral college said I get the sorry crown. The, sorry the combined force of the workers in the Red Army are too much for you to handle, but like I'm taking this crown. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that like, sorry, out. Anastasia, go face that wall. Uh, so yeah, I guess final thoughts. Uh, yeah, is is like, have we decided that this game is just pretty harmless fun, or is 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 this game problematic at all? Uh, I I started thinking it was radical self love. Now I'm leaning towards problematic. <laughs> but okay, but like problematic in that I don't know. Like I'm not. I didn't grow up to be like guy obsessed or like right so like yeah, i don't know so maybe exactly. it's like maybe we can do better because we could have games that like actively raise young child of any gender to be like better more self-loving people and this one doesn't do that but like i don't think it actually did <laughs> it didn't it didn't it did set like damage. dangerous precedents for no. like decades to come no like skinny women in magazines <laughs> did way more yeah, harm yeah, than right. Dreamphone did if anything there like, was kind of like check out all these hot boys yeah and no matter what weight i was at <laughs> one of them had a crush on me maybe yeah, <laughs> just had to fight all my friends for him <laughs> yeah assuming your friends yeah. didn't find it first one of them has a crush on you which is pretty cool yeah. actually no maybe this is dangerous because maybe this is where I learned that you're only worth love if you're good at stuff because you only got his affection if you were the smartest one but isn't maybe that this great? is where all my anxiety it's comes about brains from. right but it's about using your brains yeah. not your but it does reaffirm uh, the yeah. capitalist myth of like your value comes from your production yes Whoa. and like you're only worth something like your vat like you, you people Walked are inherently right lovable one. because they are like people. Yeah. But then like the technocratic stuff says like, no, you're only lovable if you like achieve good things. And maybe that's where I learned it. Maybe this game is super problematic and maybe it's more capitalist than mom madness. With particular, that is you're like, you're only valuable if you achieve things. In this case, it's solving the weird mystery of which boys are in town and have a crush on who, which to be fair, like if I were in high school and could figure out who had a crush on who, I would have had a power network like Varys in Game of Thrones and I would have been the king of Georgetown Day um, instead of a theater nerd who lived in uh, the back room. I mean, that is the other thing is this game is a lie because if someone doesn't like if someone's too embarrassed to let you know that they like you, you're never going to figure it out. Right. Sure. And two, the slogan was it's your world girls. <laughs> that was a fucking lie. No, it wasn't. It was still a man's world in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't we, our world. Can we get a little sample of that slogan? Uh, we'll drop it in like right here over the <laughs> It's your world, girls. It's our world, girls. Thanks, Haley. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, they have so their 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 ad was was interesting. Yeah, I guess I have no 
I have no like like super big problems with this like game's ethics. Like it seems like we've like figured out how to make better board games that are oh, more from like a God, we female have. perspective. Have we? Yeah, there are so many good board games. Even so many good like weird dating relationship board games now. Like there's I mean, board games are just the best now. I fucking, I, I don't need to do this right now, but I can talk about board games all day. I fucking think they're incredible. Um, I think there's a you lot of board game design where you board talk about games, games. And video games, to be entirely honest. Um, but that's, that's a topic for a different day because it's like a two-hour topic. But I think but it's true. I'm sold on this game, and I'm going to get it for $27 on eBay where I saw it. Are you? If you Maybe. Get it, can just, I come over and play if it? If you get it before October. <laughs> yeah, if you get it before, no. Hey, Griffin. <laughs> can you imagine, like, actually, we just had you on for the hey, podcast. Griffin, you, you get you it? Go, we're not friends if anymore. If you get it before October 5th, we could maybe play it when I come to LA and we try to do a live show. That could be very fun. Wow, that could wow, be a great wow, idea. Wow. Um, I do love a callback. now back. you have um, a fucking let's, deadline, uh, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's, uh, you know, uh, I got a deadline and I got a commercial break coming up because uh, we need those commercial dollars. You know how they say, a Coke is best served in a glass bottle. Better than a can, better than a classic bottle. But what if I told you there was a new, even better kind of bottle? That's right, a bottle made of bones. When we make our new classic bone bottle Cokes, we find the oldest, dirtiest bones you can find. Doesn't matter what they're from. Human, chimpanzee, alligator, fish, we don't care. We take those bones and grind them into a paste and mold that paste into a perfect drinking receptacle. Coke's never tasted so good as when you're drinking it out of a bone bottle. We've melted down so many bones that it's quite possible that your bone bottle has bits of Christ himself inside. We have all the major players here, all the different types of bones from all different uh, points of history. Uh, we have Attila the Hun's bones. Uh, we have George Jefferson's bones. We have the Loch Ness Monster's bones. We got all the bones. When you're drinking a bone bottle Coke, there's every chance you might be drinking your great-great-grandpa. So grab one today. Bone bottle Coke. Bone bottle Coke. And now we're back to the game, boy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, are you having a heart attack? What's happening? And then I was like, oh, you're pausing. <laughs> podcast. Uh, I'm still Lux, your, your co-host still Griffin. Your guest is still Kelsey Goldberg. Yes, <laughs> fucking nailed that one. Anyways, now we've talked about this game, and now it's time for us to Swish. rate this game. Um, Kelsey, you're our guest, so you can go first. We're going to rate this one on a scale of one to five uh, dice, because it's a board game. Um, and you tell us what you think about this game. Give it a score and give it a little final thought. Wrap it up for us, please, and you can please start. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five, because it was the best part of every sleepover before you did real-life truth or dare. Oh, yeah. That's uh, what we got heavy. And it was like Millennial Pink before Millennial Pink was a thing. That honestly checks out in a really major way for me. Griff, what do you think? <laughs> honestly, this is going to be wild. This is going to be wild. I didn't know what I was going to rate it, but just hearing about Kelsey's experience and uh, and just, just seeing her kind of battle internally with like what this game meant and ultimately leaving... Uh, with a knowing that she'd had a positive experience, you know, it's a five out of five, you know, for its place in history and time. Well, thanks for making me the bad guy, Griff. I'm going to give this one. I'm going to give this one a three and a half. Here's why. Um, first is that like, I guess you had a different read on the whole, like us negotiating the ethics of this game scenario than I did. Cause I've seen it come down on like the, it's not so great side of things. Um, so it's going to lose a couple points for that. But really what it's losing points for is, I feel deceived because I thought the game had four different, like had different boys for each player in the game. Sure. And sure. The fact that there's just one and you're on a hunt for one boy 
is ludo narratively dissonant the game is telling one story and its mechanics <laughs> are different and i will not have it well, well the, when you say it like that can i change my score and yeah no. if you want you always make the guests change their score so i guess you're allowed to six out you're of five a piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> all right well there's well it's dice so you know i roll i rolled a oh, six shit, it's six, out of six that's such a good call um <laughs> <laughs> That was fun. I can tell that we don't know how to talk about board games as well as we know how to talk about video games. It's like uh, it's it's like something that we get to work well, we've on. We've done now, either you know? nineteen or twenty episodes about video games and just one about board games, so you can sort of see how that would happen. <laughs> um, but anyways, <laughs> now it is time for everyone's favorite segment, made entirely out of segments. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the segment segment. Griffin, you got the first segment. Well, let's tee it up. Yeah, guys. So it's a brand new segment. So be gentle. Wow. Um, it's kind of in honor of the game that was picked. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, this is uh, the dating game uh, for uh, video game characters. Now, I'm going to describe three uh, mysterious contestants, and both of you guys get to decide which one you'd like to go on a date with. Oh, fine. Okay? <laughs> oh, that is so um, fucking good. So, uh, now, I'm going to describe each contestant, and I can describe them again for you if you want. Uh, contestant number one l- lives life in the fast lane. Like stylish kicks and slowing down for nobody. Contestant number two likes to travel but doesn't like getting wet. Wants to meet someone that can help them evolve as a person, but it's going to take some sparks. And contestant three has a large appetite for life, but a few ghosts in his past. (laughs) Damn, Griff, good work. I mean, I'm so afraid to answer this because I'm just like trying to like... Now, Locke, you can answer too. You know, it's, this is a this is a joint game. Well, I've, I've got, um, uh, I've got my know. answer queued up, but uh, I don't want to step on our guests. Maybe we'll let the guests go. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm torn between two or three. Because okay. if the ghost in the past is like, yeah, I could. Be, what could, what could, that, what could that be? But if it's like yeah. like the ghost from Mario, like I can put up with that because like no one's perfect. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and then number two, I mean, I also like to play with fire. Mm. and watch things burn so like that tracks but like i like the beach too so not getting wet would be a problem yeah yeah like he would go to the beach or like they would go to the beach but they wouldn't go in the water and that's that's oh but then they could watch my stuff okay we're going with number two going with number two (laughs) oh looks like you're going on a blind first date with pikachu oh that's so cute wow (laughs) from the from the the, (laughs) oh wait i guess i should have waited for you to pick one i figured that out though I did. <laughs> this is the fr- like I said, be gentle. This is my first time doing this um, one. All right. Well, um, well, uh, well, Kelsey and Pikachu are making sparks. I think uh, me and contestant number one are going to live life in the fast lane. Show <laughs> make you lose your mind. Uh, and who do you think you're blind first oh, date is with? Sonic, Lord. right, baby? That's right, baby. Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, he's Life in the too. fast yeah, we're lane. Gonna, we're gonna, See, I was worried that was a Grand, Grand Theft Auto thing. And I was uh, like, that's yeah. a bad boy. You don't want to no, get involved. We're going to go where you're running, and then we're going to eat some of uh, both me and Sonic's canonical favorite food, some chili cheese dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We, and we both got that reference. Oh, and the number three is Pac-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Pac-Man. Nice and done. He's got a large appetite for life, but he's yeah. got a few ghosts in his past. <laughs> and honestly, <laughs> in his future. But boy, yeah, I mean, healthy it, eater, yeah. loves fruit, but also kind of a problem with pills. No, man, I stand by my choice knowing who they all are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that was the dating game. Uh, let's move on to Lux's right, segment. We're going to go back. We've been having a lot of fun with this wiki dive thing, so I'm going to do it again. Uh, the way this game... Man, I love the sound effect we have yeah, for this really one. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, the way this game works is I'm going to just read and try to sort of self-edit the Wikipedia entry for a video game character 
when you can guess who it is, you tell me who it is. And if you're right, I'll stop. And if you're wrong, I'll continue. Oh, this is going to be fun because I'm totally going to get it first. <laughs> and I'm totally not going to get upset when I don't get it first. Right. <laughs> he joins a series, a series primary antagonist, an evil doctor, after being tricked into thinking that the hero is attempting to steal the Master Emerald. He f- who is Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so oh, close. My favorite video game character. No. Um, All right, let's continue. Are, are you talking about uh, uh, Dr. Neocortex? No. Um, this is so funny. This is one of the parts where like, you and I really diverge video game-wise, actually, is on these, 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 <laughs> these, this like, particular parallel of games. We can talk about that after we finish. Um, he fights the hero at several points at the game, but the doctor's dishonesty is revealed late in the game when he steals the Master Emerald and attacks our character that we're talking about now. A similar flop Who is Dr. Strangelove? When our character's... Sonic. Okay, not Sonic, but close. Dr. Strangelove? Mm, that's uh, a Kubrick movie. Oh, uh, yeah, well, who's the guy in Dr. Strangelove? Uh... In the war room? No fighting in the war you room. can't fight in here. Yeah, this is a war room. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the line. Um, is that a video game character? It should be. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a, a reference in Ready Player yeah, One. Ready Player One should have a lot uh, more Kubrick, I think. It has the shining. Oh, my God, no. I take that back. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm guessing, uh, is it Tails? No, not Tails. Bad guy. Remember, he joins the series' primary antagonist. Shadow. Not Shadow, but closer, but still wrong. Read it's, more, read it's, more. It's, it's like more? The, the alien one. Want some more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the Death Egg crashes on Angel Island, he is briefly tricked by the same evil doctor and allows the evil doctor to place his robot armies on the island and construct a base to rebuild his Death Egg. He also assists him in fighting the hero and stealing the hero's own six emeralds that can be combined with uh, the guy we're talking about's emeralds into one complete set. However, he does not trust the doctor enough to tell him that he possesses a seventh emerald that can control the others. And when the doctor tries to absorb the emeralds into himself, uh, our character uses the emeralds to defeat him. From that point on, he works... Just- That's Voldemort. It's yeah, it's, it's a horcruxes. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna tell you the answer because I just self editing these is tricky. Um, it's just like I don't know this like deep cut shadow Sonic not, the Hedgehog character. It's not a deep cut though. Well, who is it? It's Knuckles, dude. Uh-huh. He's a shadow, right. the, the much yeah. deeper cut. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> See, that still sounds less Sonic the Hedgehog and more like it could have been like an early draft of the movie Rampage starring The Rock. Oh, See, yeah, and, and that. Is, is part of why this game is fun because ca- video game character backstories in the 90s are gibberish <laughs> are gibberish nonsense um, did you, did you see is, rampage i did oh. <laughs> not in theaters uh my so i got a dui a couple months ago so i'm doing all like the court stuff and my alcohol education class we watched it last class i don't know what that has to do with educating me on alcohol Wait, we just that was part of your like, like 12 the, hours yeah yeah. It was like, if well, you drink too months, much, this is the kind of movie you might make. Yeah, um, I, I thought I you like that If you drink and drive, you'll make this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Actually, I kind of liked Rampage, though. It was really enjoyable, two hours. Uh, it's a lot less depressing than hearing people tell the yeah. stories of the rock bottom. So I was... Sure. Maybe, oh, because the rock, rock bottom. No, I get the connection. Oh, I get you. You think you've seen the rock bottom? Yeah. (laughs) You think you saw the rock bottom at WWE's 1998 in your house, but. This is our second episode at the end where we've uh, referenced the rock. And this is good. We should keep doing this. This is the rock hour. Let's uh, let's keep that going. But anyways, uh, I believe that is going to do it for our show. Uh, Kelsey, you've been amazing. Can you tell the people where they can see and hear more from you? Yes, you can see me with Bedlam at the Pack Theater the third Sunday of every month. You can check out my web series over easy uh on youtube 
uh, or if you are a Playboy TV subscriber, I was the head writer. Which we both are. Cool. So watch News Uncovered. It's a naked John Oliver. I wrote it. Oh. Uh, which Hell is yeah. cool. So watch that. And the host is lovely and super smart. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram as at 24K Gold and on Twitter as uh, Kelsey F. Gold. Hell yeah, Griffman. We got to guess it's good at plugging over here. Yeah, that was the <laughs> one, one of the best plugs. One of the best, for one sure. of the best plugs. We, we secretly, we, we, we have our own secret ratings that we talk afterwards. We go, yeah. <laughs> That one was like a four out of five. This was a five out of five on the plug. Uh, you know, uh, please follow us at Game Boys Pod. It's a thriving community. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, check out Dad's new apartment on YouTube. Lux, how about you? Um, all right, here we go. Here's the full rundown. Uh, Party <laughs> World Wrestling about to have the Indiegogo. So please, please check that out. Follow us on Facebook. How can they check can out f- what's about to happen? Because you can check it out by following the Facebook page, Party oh, okay. World Wrestling on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. You can also follow uh, the prank show on not on youtube at not even a show you can follow the actual my actual job at wisecrack and watch all of our videos at wisecrack on youtube also make sure to check out the game boys pod uh facebook page which again we'll be posting stuff there soon once things process i'm still out of town so i haven't had a chance to actually pick the shit yeah, up leave, leave, leave them alone guys like stop asking for these pictures I know, people are so fucking hot for me to start posting on the facebook but i'm traveling our fans are ridiculous shame on you fans yeah i mean no no shame the game boys army is strong we love you very much um, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at ML surfboard and that's just about everything. Um, so that's it for us. My name is Lux. I'm your host. Your co-host is Griffin Davis. Your guest is Kelsey gold. Your editor is Haley Clement. Your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morton and your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye internet. We love you very much. It's our world girls. <laughs> <laughs>